0: Oh. Oh, all right. Okay. It glitched a little bit, but you know, it's fine. Okay. Um, so I realized something. Oh well. Hello everyone. Welcome to our podcast. I'm sorry. Hi everyone. <laughs> welcome. Welcome. We've actually only been on for like two seconds, but we just started randomly talking. Yeah. Um, we're still in quarantine. I guess we should actually do like a proper intro. We're still in quarantine. 8,092. Yep um I am sick not with COVID (laughs) clarification I think it might be an ear infection because I did have fluid in my ears and I was doing drops to like help it and then it got better and then I like like the drops were done and then I was feeling better and then it's been like I want to say like maybe five or six days since I stopped doing the drops and I woke up and both ears are just plugged and I'm so nauseous yeah Yeah, that kind of Yeah, because if it's into my sinuses and it's dripping down into my tummy, and that will be upsetting my tummy. Possible ear infection. Um, But I'm going to wait and see what happens because it might just go away. You forgot we were recording this week, so it was your turn to forget. Last time it was mine. This time it's yours.
1: Yep, so I quickly wrote my story today.
0: I mean, I finished it today, so. It's not super long, but, you know. Mine is long. Mine was not meant to be long. It was way more complicated than I thought. So that's fun. Um oh, but what I was going to say before I was like, oh, we should probably do an actual intro. I realized something fun though. Oh, you just I can't hear you. Oh, okay Oh, there you are. Now I can hear you. Nope, now I can't hear you. Hello. Hello. Okay, that's weird. Anyway. The weird fun thing that I know, realized is it is now April. Yes. Which means now I can look at Airbnbs for your bachelorette because your <laughs> bachelorette is next year in April.
1: <laughs> yes. Well, hopefully anyways, but yes.
0: I'm going to plan for it.
1: Yeah, that's the thing. We have to keep planning otherwise.
0: Yeah. We're all three full to do every day. Yeah. I'm currently obsessed with RV renovations.
1: or Ar- like. Like recreational vehicle renovations,
0: like motorhome. Okay, yeah. I asked Nathan. I was like, "Can we just buy one, renovate it, and live out of that?" Much cheaper. Much cheaper.
1: I guess it's a bit better than living in a van, but like RVs are expensive.
0: I don't know. I was looking at RVs, and for used ones that are still decent, it was like five hundred dollars a month. To like okay. you would like your payments, yeah, five hundred dollars a month. Like, that's less than one of ours (laughs) rent. Yeah. And then, like, everyone, uh, I just have been watching videos on YouTube of people renovating their RVs. And it's literally, like, they just, like, uh, they're like, I don't understand why RVs have to have this dated look. But even new ones have this weird, like, 90s dated look. And I don't understand it. It's
1: because, like, the prime kind of like audience for buying new rvs is like old people so Mm. it's kind of you know reminiscent
0: well then like they all fix it so easily they literally just like scrape off the like one of them had like you know the like banner wallpaper that goes along the roof (laughs) they just like scraped it all off painted everything white and i was like wow it all of a sudden looks so much better (laughs) like ripped out the like window coverings and put just like simple window coverings and I was like immediately 10 times better just immediately 10 times better but like they're pretty cute but I don't know if Nathan's down for it so it is
1: a lot smaller space than what you guys currently have although you could live in it with just the two of you and not like 18 people
0: so it's true yes and I was joking with him because I said would you go on like a six month trip with me down south and go to like Memphis and Nashville and Orlando we can go back to Disney World for a little bit and we can go to like Houston Texas and like all the really cool places down there and he's like okay okay and then I was saying we should go to LA for six months for him I was like we'll just spend a year in the states I'm like let's just get an RV let's just renovate it and then we have somewhere to live we don't have to deal with the bullshit of the United States I
1: mean you still kind of would but to a lesser extent I
0: guess to a lesser extent trying to find housing and stuff like that or paying for hotels my god that'd be so expensive I'm gonna stop eating because I feel like Haley's gonna murder me if I keep eating on this
1: I mean, it's probably not as bad as when we, like, chew directly into the microphone.
0: I mean, it is right here. That's true. The mic's right I'm wearing headphones with a mic, so that's why I'm so much louder than this.
1: Yep, because I don't have any of those.
0: You well, do, I, you just can't find them. I just them.
1: don't have the adapter piece
0: to plug it into my laptop. So. You just can't find it. Um, do you want to go first with your shorter story? Do you have anything? How was your two weeks, actually? Um, let how how have things changed?
1: I mean, I feel like I got a little bit more depressed. And then David and I were like, okay, we need to start going on a walk, like, every day to get out of the house. Yep. And that helped. Although we didn't go for walks on the weekend. But maybe when we're done recording, we'll go for one. Yeah, I don't know. Just been working. Been trying. I've been trying to do some, like, wedding planning stuff. So, like, we booked our efficient That was kind of the only other big thing. I started looking at okay, do hotels not book over a year in advance? I thought
0: they do, but maybe not.
1: Okay, because I was looking at the ones like around our venue and none of them had any dates available. And I was like, are they all booked already or just not booking?
0: They might just be closed right now. (laughs) Yeah.
1: Listen, I'm thinking I emailed customer service to one of them and never got a response. So,
0: because a lot, and I'm pretty sure a lot of hotels are closed. And I, they might just not be taking bookings if they don't know if they're going to reopen.
1: Yeah. So, yep. Yeah. So did that. Been looking at some, uh, I don't know, some like decorative stuff. I've been, I like want to bake, but I am also like lazy and don't want to bake. I don't.
0: Yeah. That's I bake, but so I don't have screen time. I tried to make cinnamon buns, and I like questioned it because she mixed the active yeast with warm milk, and then didn't add the sugar then she added the sugar later and I was like don't you have to add sugar so that like the yeast is something to like feed on and you have to like let it sit for a couple minutes she didn't do that and then they didn't rise and so they're really really dense and I was like um, should have just trusted yeah. my gut should have just trusted my gut
1: I was looking at before we started recording I was like creating brownies I might make brownies later. Except most of the recipes I keep finding are, like, you have to put actual chocolate in, which I don't have. I need to find one that's just cocoa powder.
0: Yeah, I have actual chocolate. so I don't have that much, though. I only bought, like, the one, like, little box thing I have. You go through it so quick, though.
1: So. Yeah, I don't usually keep it on hand unless I'm, like, I usually just buy it when I need it for something.
0: Well, because, like, you can get bigger things of it, but it's so expensive. I'm slowly collecting my baking cupboard. It's slowly growing. I need to get like a nice, like some nice containers for my like flour and rice and sugar. Mm, yeah. But I, don't, I don't know. They're kind of expensive. The ones I found online are I think like eighteen dollars, and they will for sure hold the rice that we have, the bake of rice that we have. But I like buy Costco size things. Mm-hmm. I'm like, I don't know if it's gonna hold. Like one of them was like, oh, five liters of sugar. That's so much. And then I looked at my bag of sugar because it's from Costco and it's ten liters, and I was like, oh. <laughs> So you, two. Yeah, and they're like twenty dollars each, yeah. and like I think the flour one is about that too. Like the flour, they didn't even have flour at Costco. I'm just like so annoyed
1: it's because everybody's baking.
0: So stupid. Everyone's like, oh, I'm gonna start baking now. I'm like, what about the people who already baked? Like we we still need our we still need our stuff. Yes. I think I'm just gonna order like on Amazon or something. I wish I, I didn't have to. But... I'll have to
1: look at Amazon for that. But even like I've been trying to order some grocery stuff from Amazon, and it's like, slim.
0: Yeah, I don't actually have that money thing, but it's just like brutal. I had to go to Costco the other day, and we had you know the rebate check that, like you get for Costco. I don't know if you guys have it, but we have it where we get our rebate check with our Mastercard. I guess you'll get it. You just got your MasterCard, so you'll get it soon. Like, you'll get it next year. Yeah. Oh. Do you get
1: it on, like, the one-year anniversary of signing up for it? Or do you get not, it at, like, a specific time?
0: I'm not sure. I'll be completely honest with you. That's Nathan's responsibility. <laughs> um, but all I know is we had the check, and then she rang it through. Like, she rang everything through. And then she was like, 300 and blah, blah, blah. And I was like, um, is that after the check? And she's like, oh, Sorry. Cause I like panicked. I was like, it was three hundred dollars. I'm like, we did not buy that much stuff. Like, we definitely didn't. Like, what the heck? And um, it wasn't. That was before. And our check was like one hundred and fifty bucks. So it worked out well. Oh, there's nothing fun from Costco, but yeah. And I ordered stuff from Dean or Arden is apparently how it's supposed to be pronounced. And I ordered it, and it charged my credit card. But I don't have an email invoice. I don't have anything that can like track the order. And, like, I try to go into the account, and it's just, like, it doesn't have anything. So, I'm just, like, how am I supposed to, like, I don't understand what I'm supposed to do.
1: No, that's really weird, because usually you get an email as soon as you order something.
0: Right? I'm just, like, I don't know what I'm supposed to do. And, like, I tried to look for it, but it's just, like, I don't have it. I don't. So, hopefully it shows up, because they charged my fucking credit card. Mm Mm-hmm. And I ordered shoes, and I want them, please. They're just, like, my, like, slip-ons and stuff like that, you know? Yeah. And I got new runners, and I got new slides, because I keep using Mark's. Mark has, like, these Adidas slides, and I keep using them. I got angry at protesters in the United States. And here.
1: God, I was looking at, like, I don't know, it was, like, I think it was, like, a BuzzFeed article, and it was, like, a collection of all the stupidest protest signs, and I was, like, what the fuck?
0: Yep very frustrating it's very frustrating but what are you gonna do
1: well it's particularly frustrating when you see all the men out there telling the government that they can't tell them what to do with their bodies
0: (laughs) yeah well I'm like it was really frustrating because like in the one video that I posted it was like people being like this is a free country and right now I don't feel free and I was like literally all I like, a picture and I didn't know how to like put it into words on a post but all I like, a picture is like you know those parents whose kid is just a total rampaging brat and they're just like I don't understand what I did wrong I gave them everything they wanted and now I'm trying to like get them to focus on school and they just won't or some bullshit like that you know what I mean like it's just like yeah. yes yes spoiled breath you are a spoiled brat like they're just like And like one of the girls commented being like, you know, they can't get assistance. And I was like, I totally understand that. But all the people in that video were complaining about how they have to, they're like, we don't want these handouts, like all this shit. And I'm just like, and then I didn't
1: see anybody who was complaining about like not being able to get assistance. It was like, we want to get haircuts. And I'm like, go back yourselves.
0: And, like, there was a one lady that was just, like, where are our tax dollars going? They're paying these fucking politicians. We want to get paid. I was, like, your tax dollars are what? You, what, 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 what? <laughs> they're, like, we don't want this assistance. Look at where our tax dollars are going to pay these politicians. I was, like, they're also going to pay you on your assistance. that you're, you, you you, 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 I don't understand. Like, my brain just, like, can't comprehend their thought process
1: I know it's just mind boggling
0: I'm like the exact opposite I'm like hell yeah I paid taxes for the next or for the last 10 years last year you the fucking government took 6 grand from me fucking pay me when I can't work right now like yep. I'm going to stay home fucking pay me sir I have paid you so many dollars you better be fucking helping me in this moment yep but no Apparently that is not. They want to work. They want they want to work. Apparently. Meanwhile, I'm sitting here being like, I don't got to fucking work. I'm here for this.
1: Yeah. I mean, I I'm to
0: like,
1: torn between like I'm glad that I still have a job, but also I would kind of like to just not work and get paid for it.
0: <laughs> I mean, I don't think that's 2 grand a month. Like you make more than that, don't you?
1: Yeah, I do. So like it wouldn't
0: yeah, wouldn't really be sustainable long term. No, it's basically what I make. So it's probably, yeah, about qu- equivalent with uh, paychecks and tips. It's about two grand a month is what I make, which is nothing. Yes. <laughs> when I actually hear that, I'm like, oh, that's like no money. <laughs>
1: <laughs> it's not a ton, but you've got cheap rent. So, you know.
0: Yeah, luckily we have a house that we can split between all of us. All right. Do you want to go first with your short story or do you want me to go first with my long story?
1: Mm, I'll go first. Okay. (laughs) Okay. So, um, all right. So one of the other things that I was doing with my quarantine time is I uh, finished rewatching the classic Disney TV series Gargoyles.
0: Oh, solid.
1: inspired my story today. I'm going to talk about the history. Oh.
0: We should clarify. Oh, yes. So, because last week we did all news stories because we were fucking lazy, this week we decided we'd both do historical stories, so just both doing historical stories is what I'm trying to say here. (laughs)
1: Because all the news stories are about COVID, and we can only talk about that so much. Exactly. Okay, so I'm going to talk about the history of the architectural gargoyles. Oh, that's cool. Gargoyles serve a purpose as water spouts to deflect water from buildings so that the stone doesn't erode, and so technically they're only considered gargoyles if they are a water spout. If they're only decorative, they're referred to as grotesques. Technically, that's rude. <laughs> so when Enough gargoyle, you'll just
0: grotesque.
1: Yeah, I mean, like in. Like, they're kind of all just commonly referred to as gargoyles, but, like, technically, they're only a gargoyle if they're also a water spout. So, they began appearing in churches in Europe in the 13th century and were engineered to preserve stone walls by diverting the flow of rainwater outward from rooftops. Mm-hmm. The word gargoyle derives from the French word "gargouille," which means throat, which... <laughs> no, thank you. Andrew is making a face. (laughs) Um, So yeah, so gargouille, which means throat. Um, But that's not, they're not called gargoyles because of the throat thing, which you'd think that they would be because of the whole water spout thing, because they look like they're spitting water out of their mouths. They're (laughs) called gargoyles because of a French legend called La Gargouille. The legend is about a fearsome dragon that terrorized the town of Rouen, France. And according to the legend, this dragon swallowed up ships and flooded the town for centuries until around 600 BCE, when a priest named Romanus came to the town and agreed to kill the dragon in exchange for the townspeople converting to Christianity. Oh, okay. Yeah. Romanus tamed the dragon by making the sign of the cross. Oh, And then led it down to the town square where it was burned at the stake, which like, if you tamed it, that is so rude. How? Fucking rude. Yeah. Really uncalled for. You're now my friend. Um, burn him
0: at the stake! Yes. <laughs> okay.
1: Um, so they burned at the stake, but the creature's head wouldn't burn, so they cut it off and attached it to their church, and it became a ward against evil and a warning to other gargoyles slash dragons. Rude. Don't fuck with us. Yeah. So another, like, purpose that is served other than the whole water spout thing uh, was to instill fear into medieval parishioners, because most of them at that time were illiterate. Um, they put these sick, like, carvings on the outside of churches, and it was a visual representation of the horrors of hell that exist in the outside world in order to drive people into the sanctuary of the church. Good job, Catholic Church. Yep. <laughs> Uh, gargoyles were also included on many medieval fortresses in order to intimidate the population which like i mean i guess like it's because they were so superstitious back in those days but i'm like i don't understand people being afraid of statues i don't
0: i don't really get it but oh well i mean maybe it's because of dr who but (laughs) (laughs) they're kind of scary looking like some of them are like why are you looking are you watching me what are you doing
1: I least mean, oh, the like
0: old ones
1: yeah yeah churches um so then churches started to they also would model their gargoyles after creatures that were worshipped by pagan tribes because they thought that it would make their churches look more welcoming to the pagans and shockingly what? that actually worked
0: so they're they're like, these things are to show you what hell looks like. Hey, dudes, don't these look like the things that you follow? Like, hey, these evil things are the things you follow. Come join us. Yes. No, that makes no sense.
1: <laughs> yep, and yet it it were I don't, yeah, I don't really know. So there's a scholar. Her name is Darlene True Christ. And she said that churches grew in number and influence as the pagan belief system and many of its images were absorbed into Christianity. So, yeah, like name, like calling these things gargoyles only dates back to medieval times. But the practice of creating decorative and animal themed drain spouts goes back thousands of years. The ancient Egyptians, Greeks and Romans favored lions. And some of the lion gargoyles still exist on the Temple of Zeus. 39 out of the original 102 are still in existence. Cool. The oldest gargoyle-style creation is a 13,000-year-old stone crocodile in Turkey.
0: Oh, my God. Yes.
1: <laughs> the most famous gargoyles are the ones on the Notre Dame Cathedral in Paris. They're the ones that oh. influence, like, hmm? They
0: might not be there anymore.
1: Well, yeah. I mean, they were stone. Like, it's hard to burn stone.
0: Yeah, that's true. So,
1: yeah, we'll, we'll see after they, you know, do the reconstruction.
0: If they um, can afford it.
1: Yes, well. So, well, and this, until they maybe got burned up, we'll see. Um, They're the most uh, famous ones. So they're the ones that influence the modern images of winged and horned creatures. However, they are actually pretty recent creations so Notre Dame was originally built in the 13th century but those gargoyles were not added until a restoration project in the mid-1800s they were conceived by the architect Eugène Violet Le Duc and sculptor Victor Payonet and um, scholars say that they have little in common with medieval depictions of gargoyles and were intended to represent the time period rather than recreate it So they're just there because, yeah, but they don't look like what they used to look like. Some more modern gargoyles. There was a Gothic architecture revival in the 19th century, which the city of Pittsburgh really embraced. Many of their churches and government buildings still have gargoyles. Um, and Pittsburgh has more than 20 authentic gargoyles and hundreds of grotesque Some gargoyles were modeled after real people, such as builders and church elders. The Cologne Cathedral in Germany has a gargoyle modeled after the church's longest serving council member. And the Cathedral Saint-Jean in Lyon, France, has one modeled after the church's renovation construction manager, Ahmed Benzizine.
0: So it's just these statues of humans that spit water out? Yes. Oh. Oh. That's not weird at all. <laughs>
1: <laughs> so another French church, the chapel of Bethlehem in Saint Jean de Boisseau, France, has some interesting gargoyles. In the early 1990s, the church was being restored, and the sculptor Jean-Louis Boistel decided that instead of like recreating the existing gargoyles, because they need to be replaced because they were like breaking down, he was going to replace them with pop culture icons. So, oh. <laughs> this includes Gizmo and a gremlin from the movie Gremlins, a xenomorph <laughs> from the movie Alien, and a robot from the anime UFO Robert. No, no UFO Robert Grindizer. I'm sorry. Yeah. About it? So, so, they're on this church in France. A gremlin <laughs> and an alien.
0: Also, like a they're a all predator, technically respectable. Predator from alien
1: yeah apparently that's what the xenomorph is right like the predator thing
0: yeah i think so yeah
1: okay Yep. Yeah.
0: another place that
1: has weird gargoyles and grotesques is the washington national cathedral in well washington
0: um and Wait, washington or washington, washington dc okay
1: um so they have a gargoyle of darth vader They have a bunch of other weird ones, too, but that one's the best one. Um, the reason <laughs> that they have it is because in the 1980s, they held a contest for kids to design the cathedral's newest gargoyle, and that happened right after the completion of the Star Wars trilogy came out, so the kids suggested Darth Vader. I <sighs> And um, that's it. That's the end of my story. It's very short. Oh, okay.
0: <laughs> Mine is not short, but okay. it, has, it is a roller coaster of a ride, okay? Okay awesome it is it is a lot so i i googled his weird his, i just googled, i don't remember what i googled but i googled something to do with the word's history story and something else i don't know anyway so i came up with this i found this list and started reading through it and i came upon this one about a man who was apparently the greatest con man of the world he had the biggest okay. he he had the biggest con ever and his legit actual name, I'm not kidding you, this is the name he was born with, is Gregor MacGregor.
1: Oh, wow. What creed of parents he had.
0: <laughs> so we're going to talk about this man. And literally, I read the little blurb in this list, and it was like, oh, this is kind of funny. This is interesting. I can't believe this happened. I started looking into this dude. My... Br- Report is five pages long and I only used Wikipedia I didn't even get to go to other sources because I just put it I didn't have time it was so insane so this man was born Christmas Eve 1786 on the north shore of Loch Katarine in Stirlingshire Scotland in Stirlingshire Scotland he was a son of Daniel McGregor who was an East India Company sea captain which already shows you the type of morals this man has and his wife Anne. No offense to the East India Company, if they still exist. Uh, don't Wait, kill
1: I think they were disbanded.
0: Okay. Apparently, according to him, he went to the University of Edinburgh between 1802 and 1803, and no one really knows if this is true because there are no records that exist of him going. But. And also, you'll learn later, he says a lot of things. Um, But historians do also believe that this might be plausible as you'd only get, like, there would only be records of you if you graduated, like, and completed a degree program. So if you just took classes, then, like, there might not be a record of him. Right. So he ended up joining the army on In April, 1803, at the youngest age he could, 16 years old, Um, his family purchased him a commission, which I did not know this is a thing that you can do, but apparently you can just buy your position in the army. Yeah. So you get, like, a higher rank instead of waiting, like, starting down below and, like, working your way up. You just buy that rank. So apparently his family just bought him that. Um, This was just right at the beginning of the Napoleonic Wars. Stop this. And then in February, 1804, so about... You know, not even a year later, he was promoted to lieutenant without purchase, which usually took about three years. So that was actually kind of impressive that he did that. Um, That same year, he met a lovely lady named Maria Bowater. And the loveliness of her included a substantial dowry. Um, (laughs) Her father was a deceased Royal Navy admiral. So like high up official in the Royal Navy. She was related to, to two high ranking generals a family member of hers was a member of parliament and apparently there is a famous botanist who was also related to her so like good family and also good money Um, so obviously they got married it's just a great match for him so they married in June 1805 and set up a home in London soon after he bought the rank of captain instead of waiting seven years for the promotion and because he was captain obviously he was like in charge of men he had his like I don't know group of men that he was in charge of I don't know what the name is of them, but he forbade them from leaving their personal quarters in anything less than full-dress uniform. Apparently, that choice was quite unpopular with some of the men.
1: I bet, yeah.
0: Yeah, so he just became really obsessed with, like, the uniform and the, like, emblems and the, like, stripes that you get when you do things. Like, just basically the look of everything. And that kind of carries throughout his whole story. Okay, so he was part of the Portuguese... Like, I guess the British Army was fighting like with the Portuguese for a while. And he was part of that and he was pretty successful in all of that. Um, But apparently he eventually requested for discharge and was granted it quite quickly um, because he had a disagreement with a superior officer. He was like, I can't take this and just like left. And the army was like, okay, bye. (laughs) And apparently when you buy your commissions, when you leave the army, when you become discharged, they give you all that money back. Oh, fuck. Yeah, so that's cool. So he returned to his wife, and they rented out a house in Edinburgh that was the, his mother owned. They rented it from his mom. He assumed the title of colonel, just gave himself that title, sure. wore a badge of the Portuguese knightly or- order, and he just toured the city in a, an extravagant and brightly colored coach. It was just like, I'm so wonderful. I'm so posh. Um, shockingly, did nothing. No one really cared.
1: Well, it's Scotland in the 1800s,
0: so... Yeah. Yeah. I mean, there was still, you know, high society there, I think. But, like, did not, that was not his in. Yeah. Uh, so then he gave up and was like, fuck this shit, moved back to London in 1811, claimed himself to be Sir Gregor McGregor Baronet, and falsely claimed that he had succeeded the McGregor clan chieftainship. Just, like, told people that's what he he was. So, you know, that's. Cool. Um, He also started rumors and hinted that he had family ties to selection of Dukes and Earls and Barons. Just, you know, as you do. Which, they said, like, in the articles that I was reading and, like, in Wikipedia, they made it seem like it was, like, sketchy that he did that. But I think that's a pretty common thing to just, like, allude that you may have been related to, like, a well-class person.
1: Yeah, it seems like, yeah, I've seen that before, so.
0: Yeah, so, yeah. So he would have been... So he's 24 at this point. I'm uh, sorry, I just had to count multiple times to he figure was that pretty out.
1: Pretty young to be doing all this shit. Yeah,
0: but I mean, this is like 1811. That's true. This literally did nothing. Like doing these rumors, alluding that he was like related to these people, telling people he was Sir Gregor. Uh, d- nothing happened because of <laughs> that. Like it was just nothing. He didn't move up. He didn't go anywhere. Um, in December of that year, Maria ended up passing away. Oh. Yeah, she was his main source of income, coming from, like, a very, you know, she was an heiress. Mm -hmm. So he had very little options, because it's not like he could marry again so soon, because, like, social norms and stuff like that. Um, Her family could, like, cause, like, embarrassing scandal for him if he did that. And he really didn't want to return to his family, because they lived on a farm in Scotland, and that was just too boring for him. And because of how he left the British Army, like, couldn't really go back. Mm -hmm. It's kind of awkward. yeah. But at this time, Latin America, that was mostly owned by the Spanish, they were all, like, revolting and, like, trying to seek independence from the Spanish. So that became, like, interesting. That was intriguing. That was the, like, drama that was happening, I guess, in the world. So he ended up going to Venezuela, just casually crossed the world and went to (laughs) Venezuela. And um, so the reason because of this was because a revolutionary general named Francisco de Miranda which is probably the shortest Latin name I will talk about in this thing, had come to London recently. And, like, historians believe that, like, maybe through his, like, press campaign, McGregor had met him at some point and been like, ooh, this is something I could be interested in doing. And also saw how this, like, general is being treated with, like, celebrity. And, like, people were like, ooh, exotic adventures. What's it like over there? And Blah, blah, blah. And he was like, I want that. So he had some uh, estate that he'd inherited, so he sold that and sailed for South America in, like, the early of the next year in 1812. And when he arrived in Venezuela, they just had a major earthquake, and the royalist armies, which are, like, the people who were, like, for Spain, were controlling most of the country. So he ended up dropping the title of baronet, thinking that was probably not the best title to have if he's trying to rejoin the Republic army to, like, not be a baronet, but he did keep the title of Sir, stating that he was a Knight of the Portuguese Order of Christ, which is apparently what the Knights Templar became after they had been like disbanded in England. Like Portugal recreated them, like brought them back and they were called the Portuguese Order of Christ. Fun fact. Yeah. So he offered his service to Gerald Miranda, the man that he had seen and possibly met in London. And because he was a former British army, and the, like, platoon or whatever that he was part of ended up becoming really well known. And they were called the diehards. I couldn't tell if it was, like, while he was part of that platoon or, like, after he left this platoon got that name. But because he has, like, that number, he's like, I was part of this regiment. Like, people associate that with him. And he was like, yeah, 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 totally. Um. So because of both of those things, they were like, hell yeah, we want you to be part of our you know, fight. Apparently he was actually semi-successful in re- leading the cavalry that he led. Some of his stuff failed, but, like, some of it also was successful. So because of this, Republican leaders were like, yeah, he's so great, because it was just, like, the idea of having, like, a Scottish, like, man who was part of the British Army who's now fighting for them. It's just, like, really good. It's really good on paper, you know? Yeah. So then he met and married uh, a lady who... It says Donna, but apparently that's just, like, saying, like, miss. Like, she's the head of a household. Like, she's, like, it's the same thing. So her name is Josefa Antonia Andrea Aristeguita Ilovera. Oh. Yep. Daughter of a prominent family and cousin to a revolutionary official named Simon Boliviar. Uh, so they got married in June 1812. So pretty quickly after he arrived. Um, the royalists were winning. So the rev- the Republican revolutionaries were not doing great. And uh, they took over kind of most of the area that the Republicans were kind of controlling. So McGregor and Joseph eventually evacuated to Dutch, the Dutch island of Caca Kaka- Cacao, Krakow? What's the blue liquid? What's that blue liqueur called? Blue
1: Kakao,
0: Kakao. It's spelled the exact same way. So, General Miranda was actually imprisoned in Spain, so Bolivier was now in charge, who, two points ago, if you remember me saying, was Josefa's cousin. So, he is in... McGregor's in a great position right now. But he decided to take a break and just, like, recuperate from, like, basically losing. And McGregor was like, that's boring, I don't want to do that. So, he ended up going to General Antonio Naranos of uh, Venice. So, he was the general of the Republican Army of New Granada, which is, like, right next to Venezuela. So he ended up going to the next country over and was like, hey, are you fighting? Because I want to fight. Because of his, like, well-knownity known of working for the Re- Venezuela's Republican leader, Miranda, he ended up being in charge of 1,200 men. But the region that he had been assigned to, thanks, baby, the region that he'd been assigned to, like, there wasn't a whole lot of, like, fighting happening. It was a lot of, like, just kind of keeping it safe. So... He just trained them all really, really hard. Just constant training. And people didn't like that. There were some people that were like, this is so stupid. <laughs> and then apparently some things, like, people were writing back saying, like, the stuff he's teaching us is useless. Like, they were like, this isn't actually going to help us do anything. Right. So
1: it's so, not like he's training them well. He's just fucking right.
0: Yeah. It's just, like, there are mixed reviews about him on military, in the military. So who knows? There was a whole bunch of other, like, fights and this and that and whatever but long story short the republic armies do not win okay it did not end well for them and they ended up on an island and then they ended up just giving up but obviously the spanish had like surrounded them so to escape they took these gunboats and basically just like shot through because like the spanish had surrounded them on this island and they just shot through the spanish and was like don't care, don't care, don't care. Just get out, get out, get out. Um, and there was three commanders of this operation, and then somehow McGregor was one of them. So that's cool. He ended up going to Jamaica, where his wife had been living this whole time. And because he was one of the one, one of the three commanders that, like, feated this escape, and they all escaped fairly easily. Um, when he came back, the British upper class that had basically, like, gave zero fucks to him when he first arrived were like, you're a hero. So, good. Of course. Yep. So he would host, like, lavish dinner parties. People wanted to have him over for dinner. They'd be like, how did you do it? And obviously he took the most credit. Yeah. was like, oh, I know there was three of us, but, like, I was in charge. <laughs> so then in 1816, so he's been there for about four years now, or five years now, he moved to what is now the Dominican Republic um, because the Republican, that's where the Republican Army was, were grouping to, like, launch another attack because again they're fighting for independence. They're revolting. Yeah. And stuff happened. All I wrote was that, that it didn't go well. <laughs> and he re- <laughs> Oh, okay. Okay. I wrote my notes it's funny. So where McGregor was fighting the men that he was leading, like the Republic Army started losing, so he decided to retreat with his men. Mm-hmm. But because he was like well known enough, they were watching him. So two two royalist armies, decided to chase after him as he <laughs> retreated to Barcelona with his men. Yeah, with his men. And, but they had, like, no courts. They they had no carts, sorry. They had a very lacking of horses. So if you fell, like, you fell. Like, injured or not, you were, like, if you could not get up and run, you were not getting rescued. He just left They're
1: retreating from Dominican Republic to Barcelona?
0: No, so they were in Dominican Republic to regroup and then they went to a fight. And oh, then, okay. I don't know where he was fighting. Okay. It didn't say, but he like retreated to Barcelona. Okay. And like could not save anyone. Like if yeah. you fell, you fell. And but apparently after 34 days, they eventually made it to Barcelona. And <laughs> yeah, some of them. But how he made it, like the way he did it and like avoiding stuff and like using the blockage of like their ships on the Coast and stuff like that um some historians and stuff say that like it actually indicates some genuine military skill and some luck but like he wouldn't have been as successful if he didn't have some actual genuine military skill which was also suggesting the fact that he made lieutenant without buying it earlier in his career as well so like he's not dumb Mm -hmm. after all of this there was another like leader within it and he was the one that was in charge for some reason i don't know why But he was, and McGregor and him did not agree on how to lead this Republican army. So he was, like, peace and just, like, left to work under a different general um, who sent him up to America to recruit more people. And they were also talking about taking Florida's east and west, because I guess at this time they were separate. They weren't all just one Florida. Um, They were talking about taking it as soon as possible because it is also, like, Spanish owned. So he got the letter to be like, hey, go take Florida. And because he assumed the U.S. would also want Spanish, like the Spanish armies out of Florida so that they could also take it. He was like, "Hmm, maybe secretly the U.S. will help me. Um, No idea if that ever actually happened. So he ended up raising money um, with what's called scripts, which are basic investment promises to like people saying like, oh, if we win, like you'll get a plot of land or else you get money plus interest back. But, like, you're giving me money so I can fight, take over Florida, and you'll either get, like, property or money back, Mm -hmm. is what that was. So they attacked, ended up attacking East Florida, as it contained most, or it contained about 40% of the East Floridian population. (laughs) The Spanish commander in charge underestimated his force, and, like, so he only had, I think it said he had, like, 20 men. And then McGregor showed up with 80 men, and he was like, nope, didn't even (laughs) shoot any, did not even, like, shoot anything. They just pieced. Um, But because this island was like, honestly, it's Florida, but most of (laughs) it hasn't changed. It was like pirates and like, you know, like Tortuga in Pirates of the Caribbean. That's what I picture based on the description they gave of what this island was. Okay. So it's not great. So most of the residents didn't support McGregor, but they also didn't really care that he was taking over. So they just left. Like they just went to the mainland. (laughs) They were like, okay, bye. Whatever. He demanded they return and support him which was 100% just ignored. He celebrated this win very largely, just being like, we won, we're amazing, yes, yes. Um, and said that they would free all of Florida from the tyranny and oppression that they were feeling. So that's cool. Can you, can, are you starting to get a glimpse of what this man is?
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Yes. He decided then that he was the head of the government for this island, and whenever they took over the rest of Florida, he attempted to tax, and I, this is word for word from the Wikipedia article, he attempted to tax the local pirates, <laughs> which I'm not sure how you do that. Um, he raised money by seizing and selling dozens of slaves, which, no, 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 I'm not okay with. And he ended up losing the morale of most of his troops because he banned looting. So, like, that's a positive. But, like, you know, it's not great when your men don't want to support you because you won't let them do what they want. Yeah,
1: Exactly.
0: Um, people kept asking when they were going to attack the mainland, because obviously he had like done this whole thing based on like, we're going to take over all of Florida. Mm -hmm. Um, and he would respond saying like, Oh, we don't have enough men and we don't have enough arms. And it is kind of contemplated that possibly that is true. And that he had backers from like the U S and like Venezuela and the Republicans and stuff like that say that they were going to send things. And then like, they didn't. Or they didn't send as much as they did, promised and stuff like that. So he was like waiting for people to follow through. But as we will learn throughout the story, there's also the possibility that he was just lying out his ass. Yeah. Um, he ended up stopping. He ended up stopping. He stopped paying his men. And then when the Spanish had amassed a lo- large enough army, like across on the mainland, um, he was just like, well, this is a lost effort. I'm just going to leave and just <laughs> got an achievement left.
1: I'll just uh, leave you gentlemen to take care of this here. See ya. Uh,
0: Yep. So when he got to, I think back to Jamaica, it doesn't say where he went back to, but he went back and uh, he ended up starting to spread more rumors stating that like oh like I didn't leave because it was a losing effort like I left right away because like I sold the island like that's why I left right away so that's fun nobody knows really what happened because he spread so many rumors um Joseph ended up giving birth to their first child on November 9th 1817 it was a boy and they named him Gregorio
1: oh lord
0: (laughs) so just we got Gregor McGregor and we got Gregorio McGregor.
1: I can't remember. He didn't have any kids with his first wife, right? No. Okay.
0: No. Um, he ended up running into an ex-captain of, like, of the British Army who was, I think, oh, he was running the ship that he took back to Jamaica. That's how we ran into him. And um, the, because the Latin American revolutionaries were trying to recruit in London, they were recruiting British troops. So he was like, hey, like, I think you'd be a really good recruiter. You should go back to London, recruit these British troops. And like that was really appealing to MacGregor because he would be in charge of British troops again, which I guess is very different to like the Latin American troops he'd been leading. So he was like, "Ooh, I like this idea. So then in 18 September 1818, they landed in Dublin. They were sent a thousand pounds by the re- revolutionaries to recruit. Uh, he spent it all. Um and then a You're London, just what? On shit. Oh, just on shit. he just spent okay. it. Apparently within a week of being there, he just spent it. Great. A London financier took responsibility for the debt. If he promised to send these recruits to New Granada instead of Venezuela, so just Yep. Mm-hmm. Uh, he ended up funding these missions by offering commissions, which is like when you buy your station. They were cheaper than the British Army. So a lot of guys were like, oh, yeah, I want to be part of the army, and this is cheaper than the English one, so, like, let's do that. Mm -hmm. So that's how he made money off of it. He ended up sailing back to Latin America of November that year with with a bunch of dudes. They were under-equipped, they had no arms or munition, and they were almost mutinied as they were not paid the 80 silver dollars that they were promised upon arrival. He went with these men. And then he's like, BRB, I just gotta, you know, set up my wife and son in Jamaica. I'll be right back. And they were like, no problem, bro, but like, where's our money? And he's like, don't worry about it. Went to Jamaica, got arrested, <laughs> ended up getting released. So like a month later, shows up and was like, hey bros, how's it going? And everyone's like, where the fuck have you been? So like they were like ready to mutiny.
1: Yeah.
0: And the way he fixed this was, we're gonna attack tomorrow. <laughs>
1: oh okay
0: so you're not being paid you had to wait a month for me i'm still not paying you but we get to fight tomorrow
1: and and people were on board with this apparently like like, i'm not fighting until you give me my fucking money
0: my i wrote here (laughs) i wrote here sorry i didn't pay you and i was like a month late but yay violence (laughs) (laughs) yeah that's true the city that they were taking they took quite quickly and with ease, specifically noting that, okay, so he had, like, his second-in-command. I didn't write his name down, but his second-in-command took the city. McGregor watched from the ship, saw they won, came on to land, and was like, yeah, we are amazing! Look at us! We are so good! And, like, rallied the troops. I was here
1: the whole time, I promise.
0: Oh, yeah. His advisor was like, we should continue attacking, because they were so strong. But he was like, yeah, 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 whatever, whatever. We'll, we'll get there, we'll get there, we'll get there. And he ended up spending more time, because he became very obsessed with creating his own chival- chivalric-, chivalric order, which is, like, what the Knights Templar are, and, like, yeah. all that shit. He was, he was too busy doing that, creating an emblem for everything. And in he- this note, I wrote, I roll. So, like, I was really <laughs> impressed with those notes, apparently, at that moment. And again didn't pay his troops so they're like dude what the fuck apparently nobody was really patrolling so the Spanish just kind of walked into town <laughs> <laughs> and uh, a bunch of them were in like most of them were in the town square and they were um, they were doing drills
1: okay the Spanish Which, or like
0: his army no. his army like his like cavalry was doing drills but nobody was patrolling No. Nope. So the Spanish literally walked in. Like, I can just imagine the Spanish leader being like, where are they all? And then just walk into town square. And literally, you just are, you just, you surrounded them already. Unintentionally. Just, they're just all there for you. (laughs) In the town square.
1: Don't even have to
0: round them up. Just fucking. They rounded themselves up. Yeah. And I wrote this in all capital letters. He was asleep during this. His men were drilling in the square, and he was sleeping.
1: Well, he had a really hard time at the battle the day before. Yeah. so.
0: So, you know. But, like, I'm pretty sure drills, like, they get done during the day. Like, why was he sleeping?
1: Because he's a lazy fuck.
0: Um. So apparently when he heard the noise of the Spanish attacking all of his men in the square... Um, he threw his bedding out the window to have something to land on, jumped out, ran out to the water, and tried to bat- paddle to one of his ships on a log, ended up passing out, and probably would have drowned except for one of his naval officers noticed him and rescued him.
1: Wow.
0: So, there's that. According to McGregor, if you were listening to his side of events, what the minute he regained consciousness, he sent, he sent words to the land and said, do not, do not, do not give up. Do not, do not surrender. I forgot the word. I'm sorry. <laughs> he was like, do not surrender. Do not do this. Though based on like written accounts, hi- historians actually believe that like his colonel met, like sent word to the ship and was like, what do we do? And then he sent word saying like, don't surrender. But if you were to listen to him, he was like, I took care of it right away. I sent word as soon as I could. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. So his colonel was like, okay, we're gonna we're just gonna hold our ground. We are literally surrounded and fucked ourselves, but we will hold our ground, expecting to have like support from the ships off on the water that could literally see them. And apparently, instead, what he saw was the ships turn about and leave. And he just <laughs> abandoned them.
1: Oh, okay. that just seems to be his MO so far. Just, yeah. just-
0: <laughs> <laughs> so then. As, so he, so then he was, like, to all his naval men, he, like, gave them fake titles and, like, war decorations. All completely made up. He made up all of these. Um, and then he ended up having a falling out with his... It was literally written as, he had a falling out with his naval commander, Officer Hudson, who was the captain of this ship. Do you know how he had a falling out with this captain?
1: I don't know. He tried to say that he was something he wasn't again, and the guy's like, go fuck yourself.
0: No! This captain fell ill. He just took him onto um, like onto land was just like we're just going to take him we're gonna, like he's fine just he put him on shore and then went back out to his ship and was like this ship is now mine. Bye. <laughs> <laughs> and then when the like um when the officials like the police I guess were like hey like um is this your captain's ship? He said he, because of drunkenness, insanity, and mutiny, he had to abandon him and take the ship, which he named L. McGregor. (laughs) He named it L. McGregor. And then ended up selling it. Oh, God, I don't even understand. Like, this isn't even half of it. Oh, my God. So he ended up selling her because she was deemed unseaworthy. Okay. Um, and But this whole time he still had recruiters working under him in Ireland and England and Scotland. So five more men show up, like ready to go, but he has no ship. And I don't even know what he told them to wait. But eventually another one of his crew- recruiters show up with a ship and 400 more men.
1: Holy fuck.
0: Yeah. So he announced that he was going to liberate New Granada, but then did nothing. Like, he kept telling them, like, he's going to rest, like, he's going to, like, liberate this country. But then they just sat around and did nothing. He had to just, like, apparently they just, like, drank and blah and whatever. So, um, this lack of action, they weren't getting paid, there were no rations, ended up, ended with most of the men leaving and just going back home because they were like, fuck this bullshit. So, he went from 900 men to 250 men. (laughs) and again still continued to do nothing I wrote it sounds like the men just drank and sat around which is basically all we do today so feels feels mm-hmm. and then so this is really sketchy so I'm assuming he got news i sorry I'm just gonna I'm just gonna say what happened so one day one of his like high-ranking officials like one of his officers their family had to like go to port and get on a ship to like go home or something and he was like I will accompany them I will make sure they get on this boat safely Mm -hmm. put them on their ship and then also got on a ship and left Yeah, literally the next day the Spanish attacked and everyone died including the officer whose family he put on that ship so I'm assuming he got some sort of warning and instead of telling everyone just peace because If he told someone, they'd probably be like, all right, we're going to stand our ground and fight. And he was like, I don't want to do that. Um, So the news of what he'd done had ended up beating him to the port that he was arriving in and he was shunned. His family was evicted in Jamaica and they ended up living in like a slave's house or something like that. And he was wanted for piracy so he couldn't go to Jamaica to get his family. And her cousin the, I don't remember his name, but the leader of the Republican Party, like, jo- Josepha's Cousin, just, like, so angry, accused him of treason and said if he ever, like, came onto the mainland again, he would hang him for treason. Mm-hmm. And then for the next six months, nobody knows kind of what happened to him. So then finally, he popped up in the court of King George Frederick Augustus of the Mosquito Coast on the Gulf of Honduras in 1820, April 1820. So he was actually, like, a chief of the area. So these chieftains were given the titles of king from England just to, like, block Spanish claims to the land, basically. So they didn't actually have any, like, official king powers. They were still being run by England, basically. But he was the king of the area, of the Mosquito Coast. Um, this king ended up signing a land deed to the territory of about 8 million acres, which is apparently larger than Wales, which is kind of impressive. Okay. Um, he ended up signing this land deed over to MacGregor, um, mainly because the land wasn't useful. Like, he was, like, sure, you could have this land. Like, it was really beautiful, apparently. Like, beautiful land. Um, but you couldn't farm it. You couldn't have livestock on it. You couldn't, like, nothing. Like, it wasn't, like, it wasn't viable for any of that stuff. It was just so, like, in today's day and age, it's probably just, like, vacation houses. But, like, this is the hundreds; yeah. They don't really have that. Yeah. He dubbed this area Poyais, which will become important later. Sorry, so what
1: is it called? Poyais?
0: P-O-Y-A-I-S. Oh. Poyais? I don't know if I'm pronouncing that right. So then in 1821, he appears back in London and he starts so, like, not next year. He starts calling himself the Kazik of Poyes, which Kazik is, like, a title that's equivalent to being called, like, a prince, basically. Okay. Yeah. Um, claiming that the Mosquito King had made him so, had put him in charge of this country of Poyes, which is a made-up country. It doesn't exist. It's just yeah. a property that he owns. anyway. Um, the colonel who he'd left to die, his brother had, um, his brother was actually one of those 900 men that had, like, gone to work for him because he was going to try and rescue his brother, and then nothing happened, so he left. Um, so he had actually published a book in London, like, trying to, like, shame him and be like, he's shitty, look at all the shit he did, but it wasn't very popular, so most people still knew McGregor from, like, his, like, wonderful wins, like, the retreat to Barcelona and all that stuff, like, they knew him as, like, this kind of like good person basically um because of latin america like the way things were happening at the time and because like the spanish were fighting there was royalists and republicans and british and like countries and board like it was constantly changing it wasn't like that far-fetched that there, like a country all of a sudden existed that no one would be heard of that he was put in charge of like it, it wasn't that like it, it was kind of like it could be believable. It could not be believable. It was like one of those things. And he also had this exotic appeal because like his wife is from like the Caribbean, like she's from there. And Did she he was
1: take his wife back with him, or is she still stuck in the slave's house in Jamaica?
0: No, he he got her. He got her okay. back. Um, so she was the princess of Poyas, pues, Josepha, uh, and she had joined him and also given birth to their daughter whose name was Josepha Anna Gregoria. So, good times. Yeah. Um, and he also hinted that he was a descendant of indigenous royalty. I'm not sure how. He looked very, like, white. Yeah. Um, he was, he invi- was a man. Yeah, right? So, this was finally his way kind of in to society in London. Um, he was invi- invited to, like, social events and dinners, and he, like, hosted people, all those things. He even attended the coronation of King George IV um, to promote and seek investment in immigrants for Poyais. He claimed that they had inherited a democratic system of government that was already there, and that there was already basic civil service and military existing in this country. Um, Had a piece of paper that was like, a notice that he posted in the country saying like oh this is something that we like posted it was a notice that we had in our country um that was saying like he was going back to London and that he left his vice kazik in charge for in his absent and then I just wrote blah 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 bullshit because bullshit and how he loves his people in return just like total propaganda of like how he ran his country basically he stated that he had a uh, tri, tricameral parliament, which is just like a three-level parliament. He drew up commercial and banking mechanisms. He designed distinctive uniforms for each reg- regimen of the Polynesian, or not Polynesian, Poesian army. Like, just had all these things. Like could describe them in detail to people if they asked. Damn. Um, the country also apparently had an honour system, land titles, and a coat of arms. He convinced a Major William John Richard, Richardson, this was all true, and um, so so strongly did this Major Richardson believe it that he allowed the family to stay at his estate in London, as like their headquarters in London. He had official offices in London, Edinburgh, and Glasgow to sell land certificates to the general public and coordinate pers- prospective emigrants. So there is a difference. So you could buy the land certificates so that didn't mean that you would move there. It would just mean like you owned property and then like people would farm on it and then you'd make money off of it. So you didn't like, there's two different things, mm-hmm. which took me a while to figure out, but that's fine. Um, so a lot of historians believe the British econ- economy when he showed up was like the perfect storm for him to pull this scheme because the British economy was actually doing so well that local investments were having a very low um, like profit. Because, like, you're doing well, the country's doing well, everyone kind of just makes the same, you know? They were looking for... So it, it led people to make more riskier investments internationally. They were looking for, like, exotic investments to make lots of money on. So it was just, like, perfect storm for it. He gave interviews in national newspapers, engaged publicists straight advertisements and leaflets, and had poise-related battles composed... sorry, ballads, composed and sung on the streets of London, Edinburgh, and Glasgow. He advertised it as a spa destination for sick colonists in the Caribbean, that soil was so fertile that a farmer could have three maize harvests a year and grow cash crops such as sugar and tobacco without any hardship, and that fish and game were also plentiful. All of this was 100% a lie, if you remember me saying, when he got the land deed from the King of Mosquito, like... it was useless. You can't farm this land. It was not fertile in any way, shape, or form. He also stated that the natives were hospitable and pro-British, which later on you'll find out, like, the natives were actually pretty hospitable and nice, and, like, they were, they were all right. Like, I don't know if they were pro-British, but they were hospitable.
1: All this, to me, if I, if I was an investor, like, this all sounds a little too good to be true
0: you know people didn't know it was like this foreign country that like and like just the Caribbean like most people don't know what the Caribbean's like all they know is these people are going back owning plantations and they're making money you know he described the capital city as a flourishing seaside town there is no town there is no settlements there is nothing. there's nothing here may I remind you there is nothing on this property um like it like the thing is, is the size of property, if it's larger than Wales, the things he's describing could possibly have been there. Like, it it was a big enough land. Um, And if it's larger than Wales, it was big enough to be a country. Yep. So anyway, the capital was described as a flourishing seaside town with wide paved boulevards and a colonial colonial native building and mansions. It had a theatre, an opera house, and a domed cathedral, its own bank and parliament buildings, and a royal palace. So again, large enough property to have all these things does not have any of these things. Um, obviously everything was made up, but he printed it in like a proper guidebook. Like it had like leather covers, like proper, proper printed. Spent the money on this thing, Damn. and he like this is the thing. Like I don't think he was dumb. No. Because he knew that, like, that would, like, that's a lot more convincing than a random leaflet. Like, if someone's like, here's a guidebook and it's, like, an actual book on this country and what it's like and, like, detail and, like, had, re- like, just full book of stuff, you're like, hmm, this is interesting. And, like, it was leather bound. Like, come on, that's expensive in this time. So people were like, oh, okay. By early 1823, about 500 people had bought land off that off of him, many of whom had ended up invite, uh, investing their life savings into it, which is really sad. He would be later described as the founding father of securities fraud, which is kind of funny. Um, My point, somehow, this is literally my point that I wrote, somehow got banks involved and wrote land claims with backing from them, in parentheses, read it, but I don't really understand what that means. Basically, he was scamming back, or he was scamming banks and the stock exchange as well. Like, there was a whole detailed explanation. I do not understand. I don't understand what he was doing or how it was working, but he was scamming the stock exchange and banks as well with, like, loans and stuff. So, like, he was making bank on this, by the way. Mm-hmm. Um, deliberately targeted his fellow Scotsmen, thinking that they would they would believe him more because he was a Scotsman, which is a fair uh, assumption. It is speculated that he might have actually genuinely believed his own BS, and it was just like, oh, I'm just going to lie to them just enough, because, like, once we get there, like, we're going to do this, and it is going to become, like, this vast, beautiful thing that I'm thinking. But, like, who the fuck knows? Um, Enough people signed up to emigrate that it filled seven ships. (laughs) Shit. That's, like, a lot of people. Um, Literally all of these people were promised, like, so many of them were promised fake titles, like, a head banker, top cobbler, army man who were given fake titles and commissions, he told them that they had to exchange their currency for Poae dollar which he had printed. So they just gave him all their money and he swapped it for Poae dollar.
1: Oh
0: my god. Yeah. And then like sent them on the on the ships. Um, He promised things, like, women and children would sail free. If you were a trades worker or a doctor or such, you would also have free travel, like, free passage. But, like, obviously, all these people were still, like, buying their land and, like, trading in their money and stuff like that. Like, the passage is not the expensive part, you know? Okay, so the first ship landed, eventually. And, not surprisingly, there was nothing there. <laughs> um the man All surprised who, to them yeah surprise to them so mcgregor had put this man named hall in charge uh, colonel hall or general hall i can't remember and uh he, obviously he figured out quite quickly that they'd been duped um but he didn't tell anyone because he obviously didn't want to like panic people right okay but by the time they'd figured it out their ship had already left So they were stuck there. Uh, Most people couldn't accept the fact that they'd been lied to and figured that this was just a misunderstanding or, like, somebody else fucked up, you know? Mm -hmm. Um, A second ship was dropped off with immigrants, and it also sailed away before they learned that there was no help to be had. So Hall constantly, like, left to go to, I think it was the next town over or the next country, I don't know, the next, like, area of human beings. Um And he would constantly, like, go and, like, see if there's a ship that could take people, see if the King of Mosquito could help them, see if something could happen. And he did this often, but he never told anyone where he was going or okay. when he was going or that he was going. And he was kind of the person in charge. So a lot of people were like, what the fuck, dude? Like, yeah. help. And he still didn't tell them that they'd been duped. So, like, nobody knew what was going on. He wasn't helping, even though he was trying his hardest to help. He wasn't yeah. doing it very well. Rain season is a thing in Latin America. Mm -hmm. Uh, So that started and the insects started because of moisture and humidity and disease spread quite quickly. So they actually did okay-ish on their own because like I said, they had like doctors and like trades workers and stuff like that. So like it's not like they weren't too bad off. But once the rain season started, it was just like their settlement couldn't handle it. Um, a British official of Honduras ended up, like, finding them. He was, like, on his way to actually go to the King of Mosquito, of the Mosquito Coast. And he found them. And he told them that Poyas was not a country that exists and had no idea who this Kazique was. And to just come with him to British-run Honduras to, like, you know, actually be safe. Mm-hmm. But most, this is this is my sentence, most decided to stay Uh, most decided to stay because Mr. Man in Charge Hall had disappeared again and they wanted to wait and see what he had to say to see if he had found help unfortunately for them that time um, Hall returned with the Mosquito King who announced that McGregor's land grant has officially been revoked starting now he had never granted McGregor the title of Kazik and had not given him right to sell the land or raise loans against it and told them they all had to leave so they all left, except for 40 who stayed behind. 40 of them who stayed behind um, because they were just too ill to make a journey somewhere else. Um, they ended up going to Belize, which is in Honduras, um, where most of them ended up passing away because they were very ill and were just like so unhealthy that they couldn't be helped. So most of them just died anyway. Mm-hmm. Um, General Edward Cod opened up an official investigation and sent warning to London, but by the time the warning got there, McGregor had already sent five more ships. Oh,
1: fuck's sakes.
0: Thankfully, the Royal Navy intercepted most of them. One of the vessels got through, and they were carrying about 105, um, immigrants. But when they arrived, the captain saw the abandoned settlement and was like, nah, bro, and ended up just going straight on to Belize instead. Okay, Good. And just, like, they ended up going there. So of the 250 original immigrants from those first two ships that, like, actually had the settlement, 180 of them died and less than 50 made it back to Britain, which is really shitty. Yeah. Uh, McGregor ended up leaving before these small group of settlers came back and stated that he had to take his wife, Josepha, to Italy for her health in the winter, but actually went to Paris. <laughs> Newspapers in... England ran his story for weeks just being like look at this scandal but um Richardson if you don't remember the guy who like invited them to go live in his house in London and like fully believed him and backed him right away his two children died in the settlement and he was one of the ones that could like officially came back and he still was like how dare you accuse McGregor of this he tried to give us a better life it's not his fault he ended up saying that Colonel Hall was to blame and that others who were in charge were to blame and not McGregor and that they had scammed him somehow. Uh, McGregor obviously took this lead and just ran with it. it. was like, yes, I was also defrauded. This was not my fault. They embezzled me. Yep, yep. Totally makes sense. Even though you're the one who came to the country and was like, hey, BTW, this is what my country's like. And oh, and he also stated that merchants in British-run Honduras were deliberately trying to undermine the development of Poyas. Like, they wanted the people to come to Honduras. I don't know. Don't, I don't know. In Paris, he continued to try and run this con. Um, He convinced more people and firms to invest into the country and went so far as to promise Spain that if they assisted, he would, like, they would, like, be under Spain, basically. Spain did not engage in this uh, connection. They were just like, no, we're good, bro. Um, In December 1824, he ended up writing a letter to the king of Spain. Asserting that he was a descendant of the ancient kings of Scotland, even though he definitely wasn't. Like, it was really weird. um He ended up selling a large plot of land to a French company for them to like sell for themselves for investment, uh, which actually a lot of people say was quite smart of him because it like distances him from everything and actually ended up saving him in the long run, which we'll get to. So this French company ended up actually selling these land claims and, and getting immigrants and getting a ship themselves. Mm-hmm. The French government became suspicious after so many people, because I guess back then you didn't just have, like, an international passport. You would get, like, a specific passport to a specific country. Okay. So yep. you would have to apply for that passport. So the French government became confused when so many people started applying for a passport to this country no one had ever heard of. Um, so because of this, they, like, Halted the ship from leaving. They were like, no, you can't leave. This made people who were obviously had the passport and on the ship kind of concerned, ended up like not happening. Mm-hmm. And in September of 1825, McGregor's secretary was arrested. And then McGregor himself was eventually arrested in 1825, along with someone else. I can't remember who it was. It was another like partner or like Oh, it was the head of the French company, that's who it was. So the secretary got arrested in September 1825, a lot, and then also the head of the company that he'd sold the property to. And then McGregor was also arrested in December of that year. And but he insisted that the arrest was a result of some abrupt change in policy of France or by some Spanish scheme to undermine Poisian um independence. Yep.
1: Always trying to undermine the Poisians.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Um, He tried to argue diplomatic immunity. That did not work. (laughs) Fortunately for him and unfortunately for the French government, his partner in all of this had escaped to the Netherlands and they were trying to have him extradited, but they were unable to at that time. And because he had most of the documents to prove everything, they were all acquitted. But three days after said acquittal, they were actually able to extradite the man and they started a new trial. So this trial was supposed to happen in May of 1826, but the prosecutor, for some strange reason, said they weren't ready, which ended up screwing them over, but that's fine. So by the time the trial actually happened in July, McGregor and his partner wrote this 5,000-word statement telling them, which was 100% fictional... Everything he'd done, like, in the last bit of time, like what he did in the country and this and that, that basically just to, like, convince everyone that, like, he wasn't causing fraud. He was the one who was frauded, or whatever the correct word is. And so because of this, he was found not guilty. The head of the French gu- company that he'd sold the property was found guilty <laughs> of fraud and sentenced to 13 months in prison. And his secretary and his partner, it was just, like, um scored from the record that anything had even happened with them so there's not even like a not guilty guilty it was just like they weren't even involved type deal <laughs> so then he returns to london and attempts a more humble play scheme although that never took off um and most suspect that it wasn't actually because it had become uh, like obvious that pries wasn't real country it was just it became known that these investments weren't didn't have a very good return so like people just didn't want to. Put money into it. it. Had nothing to do with the fact that this wasn't a real country. <laughs> um, his wife died in 1838 near Edinburgh, and he just basically she died, and he was like, "Okay, peace," and then went to Venezuela. He applied for citizenship and back pay for his pension from being in the army. Um, and because her, like Josephus' cousin, who was the leader, um, had passed by this point, and he still had some friends in the government, he did get said citizenship and his pension. And just lived life as a, quote, respected member of the community uh, and died in 1845 and even got a burial with full military honors there.
1: This motherfucker never actually got punished?
0: Nope.
1: Oh, fucking hell. <laughs> but how insane is that? ending.
0: <laughs> but how insane is that? So insane. Sorry. I can't believe
1: I've never heard of this guy.
0: I know! It's crazy to me. I'm moving my mic away from my mouth. I put food in my mouth. But, like, and, like, his name sounds so made up Gregor yeah. McGregor. And, like, <laughs> a lot of, like, I will say, a lot of the information is sketchy. Like, there's only so much information. Like, it is quite a long story, and there's quite a detail to it. But they say, like, a lot of the information is iffy because he spreads so much rumor. Yeah. Because a lot of history is based on what was printed and what lasts and stuff like that. He had a bunch of stuff printed and like done and, and stuff done and stuff like that. So they're like, we can't 100% guarantee that this is all true and correct. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but yeah. How ridiculous is that?
1: I, I can't even believe that. Like, shit. It sounds made up.
0: It does. It's insane. I mean, most of it was made up. But, but like- yeah. <laughs> But, like, it's just, like, crazy to me. Also, his obsession with, like, imagery. Like, he just kept... And, like, the one imagery is, like, green cross. Mm -hmm. All his, like, emblems and stuff he created always had, like, a green cross on them and stuff Uh like that. I feel like with that much talent and energy, like, he would have actually been successful in something legitimate. And he could have done so well. But instead... I mean, I guess he did kind of well in his (laughs) illegitimate stuff. He
1: did do pretty well for himself.
0: Yeah. But, like, also, what about Josefa? Like, if you were his wife, like, do you think he was a pathological liar? Like, what do you think living with that was like?
1: I mean, I wonder how much of it she would have actually known because he spent so much of his time, like, away from her and then mm-hmm. would just kind of, like, come back and, like, take her to, like, the next place. Yeah, but, like,
0: what, what, when they were in, like, London and stuff like that, like, they, she was with him during that. Yeah. I don't know. Also, look, like, they named their children Gregorio and then Josefa Gregoria.
1: I'm honestly surprised that it was Josefa Gregoria and not just Gregorio and Gregoria.
0: Gregorio and Gregoria, yeah. Would yeah. not be shocked. But yeah, that was my story. I'm sorry it was a little bit long. okay. Very good. It was a roller coaster of a ride, right? It was a it was all over the place. He traveled the world. There's armies. There's revolutions. There's
1: <laughs>
0: fraud and jail and, you know, yeah, sure. life and death. It's just crazy to me. And, like, they kind of make him seem this, like, aloof dude. But he wasn't, like, there's points in there where I'm like, nah, he knew what he was doing. He was smart, oh, yeah. man. He yeah, was awesome. Yeah fucking rocker but like
1: but he was smart he was crazy but he was smart yeah he was like high key sociopath
0: oh yeah probably and he just kept pushing this poya scheme like just yeah. London Paris back to London
1: as long as it keeps like, working for you it's
0: just crazy to me oh well, well do you have anything else you want to say
1: I think that's about it
0: all right well it was nice talking to you
1: yeah you too
0: okay don't die
1: thanks you too i'll
0: try i'll try
1: um so follow us on instagram and twitter at the tipsy t podcast if you have a story suggestion or just want to say hi you can send us an email at the tipsy tea podcast at gmail.com and uh stay inside stay safe everyone
0: Yep, yes, please. Please, please, please. I will love you forever if you stay inside, and I will bury you alive if you don't. don't that was the first thought that came into my head. That was the uh that was the first th- uh threat that came into my head. I'm so sorry. Um don't hate me. All right. All right. Okay. okay. Bye. Bye.